son, I got Henny overflowing up my shop. Welcome to the Sports After Party podcast with me, Jezza. And Afo, we are bringing you the weekly sports conversations from across the globe. Welcome to the party. <laughs> let's get it, let's get it. And we're back, the Sports After Party podcast, back in your lives, back in your head tops. Yeah. Oh man, it's good to be back. You know, we took, we took a little bit of a hiatus there. In a while. Uh, you know, the fans weren't used to it, exactly. But nah, man, it's all good, all good. How, Afa, how are you doing, bro? I'm good, I'm good. I've been enjoying a lot of sport this week. I've been eating out to help out. I've, had, I've been out a couple of times this week, so uh, okay, I'm, I'm feeling good. Touch? Went to a Turkish restaurant in Hartford um, called Viezoz. I'm sorry if I pronounced it wrong, guys, but yeah. <laughs> a Turkish spot. Turkish spots there. I went to a Turkish spot in, um, in Barnet. Uh, I've forgotten the name of that spot. And then I went to um, Chicken George in Hitchin. And yeah, this Chicken George. Yeah, Chicken George. Have you heard of it? Chicken George delivered to our yard a few times, you know. Yeah, yeah, Chicken George. They yeah. Li- they 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 like the Surrey's boys, so they give them yeah? free chicken. So I'm like, yeah. Oh wow, wow. Today they today fifty percent off, and I got and there's leftovers. So um, yeah, yeah, it was it was very very good. Succulent, like I like. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good, bro. I'm really good. You know, it's been a it's been a fun week. We've had uh, a lot of sport happening, man. And you know what? What I really wanted the sports after party podcast to really be about was just yeah. talking about every single type of sport. And I think this episode in particular, we're going to cover a lot of bases. Yeah. And um, I'm really I'm really interested to hear what you guys think about it to let you know what um, let us know what you what you think and and all that. So it'd be really cool to see. Uh, yes. yeah, before, right. before we get into it, let's talk about your boy though, Harry Maguire. He's locked up. <laughs> 20 mo- 20 oh, mo- bro. Yeah, bro, it's mad. It's mad. He's been charged now. Yeah. He's been charged and he's been found guilty. Um, yeah. Obviously, with these things, when you're as powerful as you are and you're as rich as you are, you're not going to do any jail time. But yeah. 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 It's, it's no, a little it's, bit crazy. It's a. It's a bit mad. It's a bit mad. You would have thought that that this is this is what you see when you don't have smart people around you, right? Yeah. Because when you're worth eighty million, yeah. as Harry Maguire is, yeah. surely you should have some people, smart people around you, um, who tell you, you know what? Well, maybe we should just leave that. Maybe we shouldn't. Da, 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 da. Mm. Maybe it's not it's not really worth offering this this uh, policeman a tenner to hey. let us out, bro. You bro. know what I mean, bro? Do you know what, do you know what it means? Yeah, to offer a bribe. If you offer a bribe and people know you offered a bribe, you've not offered a correct bribe. A bribe, like that makes no like you have not offered a correct bribe. Like he should have, he probably showed the money they had in his in his pocket or something, and that they were probably looking like him, like you. That's worth eighteen million. Bring the ten thousand. I'll bring. Go cash out ten k or something. So yeah, I think the fact that he's been clocked for that, and it's not that he tried to bribe once, multiple times he attempted to bribe. So clearly, our, our brother Harry Maguire didn't come correct. He didn't, yeah, he, didn't, yeah. he didn't have the correct. Well, hold that, bro. Hold that. <laughs> well, look, I like to know that my captain, he's ready to put it down. He's ready. It doesn't matter who, doesn't matter who it is. Anyone can defense. get his hands. If it's Anyone defense, can get his matter. hands. Anyone. Exactly. <laughs> doesn't matter who it is, man. Um, but it's a bit weird because he got named in the England squad, even though he was going through all of this, yeah, this drama. He's been so dropped now. I wonder, has he been dropped now? Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, him. there you go. There you go. Um, probably the right thing to do. Also, how did Grealish not make the England squad? I found that very weird. Well, I think he's um, this guy's contradicted himself, Southgate. I think yeah, he's he said, himself because he always talked about picking on form, right? Well, he said picking on form, and he said he doesn't pick championship players. He just picked Calvin Phillips. So Calvin, very talented from Leeds United, but mm. he's a championship player, and that was the reason why he didn't pick Jack Grealish. And then Grealish has been the most creative player, English player this season. The English player with the most assists, um, other than, of course, Trent. And, yeah, well, he has not been picked. So, I think there is something there that he doesn't like about Grealish or that he's heard about Grealish. He's like, yeah, I don't want this guy around the team. But it seems it well, seemed pretty weird. I remember, don't you remember that video about Grealish? Um, what was it, when he crashed into someone's Range Rover or something? And maybe there's a bit... I know, I know that's, that's, that's nothing to these guys, but maybe, maybe there's a bit of attitude thing that he doesn't quite like about him. I, I don't know. Because I, I do not see why he would not make the team. I saw something about him having the most dribbles in the in the Premier League, and he's like one of the most fouled players in the Premier League as well, right? So um, I, I definitely think he should be in the squad. I, I think 100%. Because who play, he plays, let's say he plays left wing. Who's there? Rashford, 
Sterling. Who else put on that left wing? Like, would you play him left? I don't think you play him left wing. I think you play him, you know, in the midfield, just above, ahead of the. So the reason, the why, the reason why I would say that is because he seems to always drift out wide. He always gets mm-hmm. the ball out wide. So I think he likes to play as a playmaker, but wide, if that makes sense. So. So I think he's like a. He sees himself as more of a left mid rather than a. Yeah. Than a than a I left wing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe he doesn't fit the system, but I think he's talented. So you find a way to make him fit the system. But who knows? I think I feel like you pick you pick the best players, and you know you you work around it from there. But hey, it is what it is, man. Hey, you know, Alpha, what are we talking about today? Hey, Jen, before we jump on that one though, but bro, I'm happy that our boy Bukayo Saka didn't get picked. Hopefully, he ends up in the green, white, green. But we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. Um, that'd be quite nice, actually. That'd be really nice. I mean, we need another Nigerian star. Yeah, we, we need do. one, bro. We Go on, bro. What are we talking about today? Okay, so we've got a good mix, like you said earlier. So we're going to talk mm-hmm. about Dylan White and that one bang. Touch about the Champions League, um, the final. Of course, PSG lost to Bayern Munich in it's quite dramatic fashion. Um, but yeah, we'll touch on that as well. Rugby League, Rugby Union is back. Of course, with the whole Black Lives Matter thing that's happening and the conversation, there's a, been a mixed response from the players. So we're going to discuss that as well. And of course, Kobe Bean Bryant, it was his birthday this week. So there's been a lot of people recognising him, celebrating him and acknowledging his greatness. So uh, yeah, good mix there for you, Jay. But um, I know, as, as, as the ex-boxer yourself, amateur boxer, what did you think about the fight? <laughs> Bro, for none of you guys that don't know, for some of you guys that don't know, you know, um, I used to go by the name of the Nigerian Nightmare back in the day. Uh, you know, <laughs> we, you know, one and oh, one and done. Mm. I should have knocked him. I should have knocked him out in the first round. He was on the ropes. Yeah, he had a standing count by the referee, but you know, I won't go too deep into that still. Um, but yeah, no, look, I, I'm a big fan of Dillian White, the body yeah. stature. And it was really sad to see him get knocked out like that, simply because I was watching an interview pre- prior to the fight with Teddy Atlas, and it was Teddy Atlas, Dillian White, and then another co-host. And Teddy Atlas was talking about how Dillian White has really come from nothing. He's really come from nothing, and he has been had this massive injustice against him, where it's been like a um, what was it, like seven hundred or a thousand days or something before while he hasn't had his title shot. And it just really, when he got knocked out like that, it, it just like in a, in a moment, everything just appeared to have disappeared. Oh, his, his title shot, his standing as a top heavyweight, um, his ability to make millions of dollars, millions of pounds anymore. And really like, you should, when I was watching it, because it came out of absolutely nowhere, mm-hmm. it came out of nowhere. And what's worrying is the fact that he got knocked. He that, that shot caught him clean. Mm. He got knocked out straight. Sweet dreams, and, bro. Exactly, and it was an uppercut. And what I don't know if you remember, the punch that really put Night Night on Dillian White was the uppercut against AJ, mm. right? And I and I and I believe it was the uppercut that also got where he got caught against Joseph Parker as well. But obviously, he managed to recover from that. I think Derek, so I think I think the uppercut might be somewhere in his um, yeah, arsenal that he need, that he needs to tighten up a bit because yeah. because that, because honestly Alpha, I don't know if you watched the fight he he was winning every round oh, it was he dominating, was dominating. Every round. It was like, and he had knocked he knocked yeah, down Povetkin yeah. twice the round before yeah oh so I, I said this guy's name earlier but yeah he, he, he yeah he messed he messed up big time I think the way he got yeah. knocked out as well I think normally in heavyweight normally you see them get knocked out and then they're trying to get up bro. He, he got knocked out and he was sleeping. So, yeah. um, I think the fact that... I think there's a, there's a rematch clause in there. So, I think that there's, yeah. no, there's no concern about him. Um, so, I think... Well, I don't know how the politics work. So, I think the next fight would be them fighting again. I think if they do fight again, I think he wins. I think he'll, he'll, get, he'll do the business this time around. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. The way, I, the way, I, the way I, that went down was, was pretty crazy. It was scary, man. And I think, I think yes, that's that's the one thing that when we when we saw there was a rematch clause after the fight, and not only does he get his rematch, he gets his standing as the number one contender again to the WBC belt. So oh. everything kind of falls back in place for him if he manages to win that fight. But you know, you don't see top heavyweights like the real. No, no, you see heavyweights getting knocked out, but not 
like that. Like Tyson Tyson Fury got back up from his shot against Deontay Wilder. Even Deontay Wilder, he 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 got TK would TKO'd, but it wasn't like a clean knockout flat, boom, I'm out, good night, right? And then Anthony Joshua when he lost to Andy Ruiz, yeah, he got caught with some punches behind the back of the head. He got yeah. caught clean a few yeah. times. But it wasn't like you know what I mean? He he, he, he got out. Yeah, <laughs> it was so, yeah. I've, I've seen Dillian White get knocked out cold twice now. Once against AJ and now once against um, Povetkin. I I still think that he has enough tools in the bag. He's a big. Um, he was in great shape. This is the best shape I've seen him in. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, abs, bro. I saw abs. Yeah, exactly. It's all small abs, bro. So the, the, the one thing that I'm just, just conscious of is, you know, AJ said it in the post-fight, is has he tried to become too much of a boxer? And has he forgotten, you know, what got him here? That, that ruthless aggression, that, um, that unsolicited violence that he used to bring to fights. Yeah. I, I wonder, because really, you know, I was thinking in the, in the fourth round where he knocked down Povetkin twice, Dillian, just, just give everything. Finish this guy. Just finish him. Mm. Um, but he, he seemed to want to, like, take his time which is which is great, I think, in the other divisions. But for me, like when you're heavyweight, you have a heavyweight hurt. You go, you go for the kill. You go for the kill, and that's what AJ was saying. But um, yeah, man, it was it was a shame. But I, I'm very confident, as you are, that he'll yeah. come back. He'll win the win the win the rematch, and then you know we we're back on that Dillian White train. Yeah, but I think you're right. You're right. You've mentioned twice there about him getting caught with the uppercut. I think the issue there is it must be his defense. So not that I'm a boxing pro or anything like that or mm-hmm. perfectionist, but yeah, I think he, yeah. I think what the shimmy got him and then just got through the guard and just literally mm-hmm. just put my chins. I think anyone would get knocked out by that. Oh, that punch was sweet. I must say, Pavek came through that night. A little left, landed straight on the chin. Boy went night night. Um, you know, he caught, D- Dylan caught him, but I think if it was right hand, I reckon he would have made Pavek can go night night as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caught him, but it was on the left. It was on the left hand that he caught him with. So I was thinking, if it was the right hand, would he have been tougher? Would he have been stronger? Would he have been more likely to knock him out? So um, yeah, no. Teddy Teddy Atlas was talking about how, as a top heavyweight, you have to be able to control the real estate around you. Mm. So when you have Povetkin hurt like that, right? Yeah. When you have him hurt like that, he doesn't need to be that close to. <laughs> What's the terminology? <laughs> I'm gonna borrow that one. <laughs> real estate. Okay. You have to keep the re- you have to control the real estate. So all the the space around you, that immediate in your proximity, where he can easily land those short uppercuts and straight yeah. and rights and all that. Um, you need to you need to either get out of there or learn how to keep him at bay. Um, and he think I think that once Dillian White thought that he had had won the fight. He wasn't too worried about Povetkin coming into his real estate and, and, and being able to throw throw with him. But because he's 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 so much bigger than him, he could have just been like popping a jab, popping a jab. But you know, that's this is heavyweight boxing, and, that, and that's why it's it's so much fun, deadly. right? Yeah, no, it's deadly. Do you think like mentally fun. he's lost his head a bit by getting knocked out in that fashion? Or you think he, he, I don't think cool. so. I don't think cool. so. Yeah, no, I don't think so. What I worry is, is does he think, okay, that was just a blip? And we're we're just gonna continue as normal, or does he learn from it and say, ah, that uppercut seems to always catch me, mm. or or is he like, ah, oh, okay, maybe I'm not I'm not controlling the space around me well enough, or or does he just think, ah, oh, it was just a blip, let's go again, and I'm sure I'm sure he could he would easily um, dominate again like in the early rounds. I don't think, I don't I don't see him losing to Povetkin twice. But later on down the line, when he does get his title shot, when he does face the Deontay Wilders, the Tyson Furies, the AJs, um, will, will the outcome be any different to when he first fought AJ? I don't know. But yeah, if he uses this as a learning point, I think it'll be it'll, it'll take him really good. I remember he lost to AJ by a devastating knockout as well. Yeah. So but yeah, that's it. You're right. That's the thing about heavyweight boxing. Like at any moment, you can just get you can get that bang. Yeah, you can yeah. night night. You can be sleeping, and it's, I think yeah. boxing is the most humbling sport, bro. Like. Mm. You can be talk, talking smack on um, on on social media, and it's funny. Like when he got knocked out, you see um, Ruiz popping up, laughing, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, like Ruiz, <laughs> your career is done, mate. <laughs> your career is done. Yeah, yeah. More money, bro. So for yeah, for me, I think when you start laughing and commentating on other people's fights, 
Yeah. You're in a you're in a slippery slope. Yeah. You're in a very slippery slope. Your day, your day, your day will come. <laughs> exactly. And I remember come. what's his name, Deontay Wilder. Because I don't know if you remember when Tyson Fury knocked out uh, Deontay Wilder. There was that meme of Dinian White just laughing his head off. Um, he Deontay Wilder tweeted an eye for an eye. So you know <laughs> he's right. He's right. He's right. Even though I don't like Deontay, he was right. Um, so. Yeah. But anyway, that's why we like. That's why we love Dinian White. He'll say he speaks his mind. He laughs when he wants to laugh, and that's and that's the truth. That's yeah. the truth. No, but it was good. It was good. It was an, it was a nice. Uh, but that that was on the on the Saturday, right? It was a boxing on the Friday or Saturday? It was on Saturday. It was on, on Saturday, Saturday, man. So, yeah, we had we had a great weekend of sport, man. And um, you know, obviously moving on now to the PSG and Bayern Munich and Champions Ooh. League final. Like that was some of the best attacking players in the world, some of the best fullbacks in the world, some of the best like technical central midfielders. Like it was it was a great, great um spectacle, I thought. Um, did it did it live up to your expectations? No. So even with even with all that and all the talent, <laughs> even with all that and all the talent, um it yeah. didn't really for me. I think I was expecting so my prediction was I thought Bayern Munich would play very well or PSG would win it. I thought PSG would find a way to win it and Mbappe Neymar problem. I thought it was going to be a problem, but mm. Mbappe and Neymar just couldn't just couldn't get going. Like Mbappe yeah. wasn't striking the ball cleanly, which for me, whenever a player doesn't strike the ball cleanly, even either he's injured and he's worried about something, or he's just nervous. So I was surprised Mbappe was just not striking the ball cleanly and uh, taking his chances. Like I made a joke on on Twitter saying he reminded me he reminded me of Rashford because it seemed like when <laughs> it, it seemed like when he got to the final third. He didn't know what to do with it. But normally, like Mbappe is deadly. One-on-one -on -one in the box, he's a problem. So, yeah, I think, I think it, was, it was really weird. It was a really, really weird performance from, from him. But I was very impressed from... Um, who, who was I very impressed by? I was impressed by Thiago Silva, bro. I thought, for someone that's 36 years old, now obviously now he's moving, he's moving on to Chelsea, I thought, he put in, I thought he put in a good performance. I thought he put in a good performance. Like, I think... Is Thiago Silva... Yeah, thirty-six, bro. Thirty-six is an old. 36. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uncle yeah, now. Wow. Uncle, and for me, yeah. when I compare him to David Luiz, he's much faster than David Luiz. Like he doesn't look as he doesn't look slow on the pitch. His positioning was good. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think Chelsea got a great pick up there. Um, but yeah, he he's the one person that impressed me in that PSG team. I felt. Yeah. Yeah, bro. I uh, I, I would agree with you. I think. I think that game needed a real early goal and mm. then they, everything would have just opened up and we would have got those. Because, I mean, both sides had, ch had chances early. I, I really, although there wasn't goals, I really enjoyed the first half. I thought yeah. it was it was end-to-end -end stuff. Yeah. It was exciting. Um, you know who's a little baller in that midfield? Yeah. And the Herrera. He was doing bits in that yeah. midfield. He has that dog in him that they felt, we need this guy to be on the pitch to just be there for... Just yeah, just to take soak the pressure and just someone that is about that life and ready to take the game and yeah, yeah. he's not he impressed me as well. I, I was I was I was really impressed. I was like, of all the Man United players that have left us and gone on to do good things, I think Andorera is a, a real a real good bright spark that's done a lot for for PSG and he, and I think he'll continue to be. I think every club needs a player like him. You know that utility yeah. player who puts who puts the hard work in, puts the graft in. He put in a beautiful ball to Mbappe. Yeah. Beautiful ball, but Mbappe just hit it straight at the keeper. Yeah. Um, and as you said, as you said, I really thought this was Neymar's and Mbappe's time to, you know, and that really announce themselves to the world because mm. Neymar's won the Champions League with Barcelona, but that's Messi's Champions League, right? Yeah. That's not his. Uh, he, he, he balled out that year. Is yeah, it, no, no, he did. The year they, he did. Um, they were losing to PSG, like four 0 I think so. I think so. I think. And so. Neymar was a big reason why they won that. Absolutely, but it's always going to be named. It's always going to be Le Le Messi's um, cup. Yeah. When when those years was Messi's years. Messi, Xavi, and Iniesta. Um, you know he hasn't, then, won, he hasn't won it since. You know, Messi hasn't won it since. Since Neymar left. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. They're both good players, and like I said Messi might be looking for the exit as well. But we'll come yeah. to that in a bit. And then I was watching a documentary on BBC iPlayer around the World 2000 and... Was it 2002 World Cup? Uh, well, it was, it was, it was where, where Ronaldo was playing for... Uh, he was playing for, well, obviously, uh, Barcelona. 
David Beckham was obviously the young star coming into that England squad uh, where Glenn Hoddle was managing and it had um, Zinedine Zidane as obviously the star of the, the French squad. And it just showed, and it was talking about Ronaldo and how Ronaldo had won literally everything as a youngster yeah. inside the club game. And then now it was his time to shine on the, on the, world, on the World Cup stage. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, this is Mbappe's time. He's going he's gonna to collect everything. He's already won the World Cup. He's already won, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly, before 21. And all he needed was that Champions League on his mantle. And he's on that same trajectory yeah. as a Ronaldo. But you know what? Th- that guy's going to have plenty of opportunities to win the Champions League. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. you know what? But, but you know what? Fair shout out to, to Bayern Munich. I think they were um, dogged, they were determined. You yeah. know, I, I really do think any side could have won that, that trophy. And I, I really don't think that PSG should hold themselves um, in too much disappointment because I think Neymar and Mbappe, I think Neymar and Mbappe should because I felt like the rest of the PSG team were solid and on job. So mm-hmm. I feel that um, Neymar, yeah, like Neymar in the last 20 minutes of the game, he became desperate. It's as if he was playing Fever Street where he's just trying to get the ball from deep and take on everyone. And yeah. in that yeah. moment of the game and in, the, in that part of the game, you don't need that. You need someone that's going to be a cool-headed, that's just going to be like, guys, calm down, just give me the ball, I'm going to do something. And that something was just too much and he kept losing the ball. Like, it would be interesting to see how many times he lost the ball in that game because it felt, especially in the second half, every time he got that ball, um, he was around three players and he lost it every single time. And um, yeah. yeah, and when you see him crying at the end, like, obviously it's painful because this was a great opportunity for them to win it and South American players, <laughs> they love to cry when they lose in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> they, love, they love to cry. But um, yeah, I, I, think that, I think that final, Mbappe and Neymar are responsible for it. Mm. Mm. Very much no, no. Yeah, shout out to Bayern Munich. I think Thiago on the other side was unbelievable in midfield. Um, cool, calm, collected, um, taking the ball from deep, just dictating the game, dictating the play, um, creative, and really lost the ball in that game. So I was a big fan of him. And um, of course, Muller, the, the guy that seems to have like 100 lungs, just kept running and running and running. And when you yeah. think about someone like him and the number of goals he plays, how how regularly he plays for the team, he doesn't get injured, and the fact that he's in over 30 now, and he just keeps running and running and running, and um, I feel he might go down in history as one of the most underrated players of all time, but... What, this guy, yeah, yeah, I think he's going to go down as one of the most underrated. Because I feel, I think he's a forgotten I... player. He's not... For someone like him, he should be considered to be a top 10 player, but he's not. But I think whenever it's World Cup time, He's always respected because of what he's done in those previous mm. World Cups when Germany won it. Mm. Um, maybe for club club, he's not given the same respect. But I know whenever we go onto the world stage, I know Thomas. People know who that who that brother is. He's number two. Um, I think he's number two on the list for goal scorers. Goals in the World Cup, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's number two or number three. Yeah, so he's close. So he's 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 a baller. He's a baller, and yeah, you're right. But maybe for for Bayern Munich, he needs to get a, a little bit more respect because people don't really talk about it. They talk about the Lewandowski's. They talk about. Philip Lahm, you know, in previous generations. They talk about Neuer being... Oh, yeah, he was a bad guy in that game. Beast. Oh, my gosh. He, 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 he has to take a lot of credit. He has to take a lot of credit for keeping that damn boys out. He looks that so intimidating, was... bro. In that goal, he looks dominating, intimidating. He looks like he takes up so much space. Um, and obviously, he had, he had a two-year period where he was injured. I think got injured, broke his leg, then he broke it again. Um, so, he kind of people forgot about him. That's when the hair was smashing at Manchester United. But... Neuer, on his day, I, th- I think he is. I think he's he's had a greater career than um. Well, he's definitely had a greater career than David De Gea. But for me, I feel that Manuel Neuer in the last five five years, seven years, has probably been the best goalkeeper in Europe. Yeah, I say. Look, if we look at it over the last ten years, he's he, for me, he's definitely been one of the most consistent. I know he had a recent dip in form, but mm. it seems like this year he came back. And like he reminds me of Schmeichel in the sense, like he's kind of thick. Yeah, he's kind of thick. He's like he's like he's like wham for a goalkeeper. You know what I mean? Like, I you know you have players like David de Gea, who's like quite skinny in goal, even though he's bulked up a little bit. Yeah, but they don't have presence. Yeah, yeah. Whereas um, him, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just 
just everything about him. Like I think that's the perfect word. Like he's thick, right? <laughs> you know, that's a funny word to use, but yeah, he really takes up a lot of space in that goal. And um, yeah, I think he was great. Great performance from him. And uh-huh. I guess put him back on the pedestal as the number one goalkeeper in the world. Yeah, so, definitely, man. Definitely. Yeah, and I hope, bro, I hope they bring the Ballon d'Or back. I hope they give it to Lewandowski or because or Lewandowski because he scored fifty five goals this year, man. Like, yeah, I find it. I find it crazy. I find it absolutely crazy yeah. that that they they decided to take away the the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. It makes no sense when you've had when you finished the leagues and you finished the Champions League or the European competitions. It makes no sense. Yeah, especially when it's so clear who it is this year. It's so clear. And and I'm just like, why would you? I think maybe everyone's always like, UEFA is like, oh, Messi's not winning this year, so let's just cancel it. Scrap it, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. They love that you, but yeah, no, I I feel I feel for him, but I feel like the people know who the real Ballon d'Or. Yeah, we know, is. you know who it is. You know who it is. Know who it is. Bro, bro, you just mentioned Messi now. Have you heard what's happening there? Like, he, he's he, given Barcelona like, notice, right? Yeah, so he's asked them that he wants to leave. Apparently, he's got clause in his contract that they have to release him at the end of every season if he asks to get released. But apparently the clause is at the end of the normal season, which is in June. So Barcelona are prepared to go to court saying that, well, it's to June. But he's arguing that it's the end of every season and the season just ended. So, yeah. But apparently the problem is the president, Messi, is not a big fan of him and apparently the whole team don't like him. Um, so the board of directors, all of them met up earlier for a quick meeting to work out what they're going to do. Like, do you know how much power you must have for a player to say that I want to leave? And the whole board, the whole board of directors, are like, yo, we have to meet now, 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 now. <laughs> so yeah, no, all, of them, all of them have met up, and um, yeah, the rumors are that a few of the directors have already resigned, and the president, wow. and they've both. There's been a vote of um, no confidence against the president. So, all this for one Messi, bro. Wow. One Messi, that's, what, 32 now? 32, 33, bro. The guy's the guy not a spring chicken no more. Not spring chicken, but the greatest player and arguably the greatest of all time. But I think it's, I think it's like, no, who's, who's going to buy him? Who's going to buy it? Because well, if he's free, Messi... If he's free... <laughs> no, no, obviously, if, if it's free, he goes where he likes and you pay him whatever money. Mm. Um... But again, on top of that, there's only a few clubs that can pay Messi the money he he, he needs. Have you seen how much money he earns? So it uh, came up. It came up on social media earlier before he came on. He earns just under one million euros a week. I call that bread. Wow, that's called bread, fam. Bread. Well, that's whole wheat. Yeah, that's that sugar, sugar bread. What's that? What's that Nigerian bread? Gege bread. All types of bread. <laughs> but yeah, like it's mad. And um, yeah, he'd go, I, man, he'd go city. You know, he'd go city. He'd go city. Would you take him at United? Because uh, I feel like no, everyone, no, no, sorry, everyone, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a weird question because everyone naturally is like, yeah, it's messy. But at the same time, is it what your team needs? No, it's, it, it's, look, it's, it's a weird it's, one. It spoils the project that mm. that we're doing, but when someone like that's available, you don't you don't say no, you just do it, right? And but I, I just don't see him wanting to play in the Premier League. Like, why 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 do that to yourself? At, Where else would at you play? Um, well, um, Italy. You can I, Italy. I think Neymar left PSG Barcelona because of him. So mm. I can't Im- like I can't imagine PSG going for him. So I'm I'm thinking France, Italy. Or Germany, I, I can imagine him in Germany with. Uh, I can see him by Munich. Why not? Why not? Well, just switch switch sides quick. Well, um, I think you need to, bro. You need to also remember, and even though Messi's Messi, like he fits into any like you, any team, you have to make space for him. Like you have to just change everything. You make space for him. But that Bayern Munich team, he would have to replace who? A Muller. Mm-hmm. Is that is but, that is, like yeah? Why not? Like go for it. But at the same time. Is that realistic? Probably not. Yeah. Other than them, it has to be City. It has to be the Pep connection. They have more money than sense, um, even though they spend their money quite wisely these days. But I could see, and you know what? If if they want someone to help win, win, help them win the Champions League, I reckon that's what they would do. I reckon we wouldn't see him play too much in the in the Premier League. He would, he'd be really their focal point would be him. Those Champions League games, yo, help us win it. Help us win it. Take us you to the promised land. 
Do you know what? I, I think with all this, I think this is just a publicity stunt by Messi. I think he's trying to force the board to get rid of the guys that he can't stand and doesn't like. So I, I think he's going to stay at Barcelona because, like you said, it's a sticky situation. Like, realistically, who can afford to pay him a million a week or yeah. can afford to pay him half a million a week? Like, who, who can? And um, it kind of affects the project and everything. I think for him, he probably knows his career should end at Barcelona. So I think Barcelona are, is stuck in a mess right now. Like, the fact they lost 8-2 to Bayern Munich, they lost the, the La Liga in the fashion that they lost it. I think he feels that things need to change. They've been, some of the purchases they've made have been poor, not really thought out. Like you think about it, in the last, what, five years, they've bought Coutinho, over 100 million, Dembele, close to 100 million, Griezmann, close to 100 million. And if you're buying all these players, close to 100 million, and none of them have stood out as the person to take over, clearly you're not doing your due diligence to, to identify the correct club correct players for the club so I think he's frustrated and he's probably thinking these guys can't do the job well enough they need to change it and um, yeah he's forcing the, the, the board and he's powerful enough and he's great enough and I think there will be a change the president will go and Messi I think Messi is still going to be there next season the funny thing is I think that players they've brought in don't compliment Messi and Suarez if you look Dish. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, no, Suarez works. Suarez is a, is a success. He's just old now. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't run as much as he used to, and he he's not as clinical as he used to be. But if you, look, I look at the other players, the Dembele's, the Griezmanns, they don't compliment Messi. They they never really went to for someone that would replace the Shabbies and the Iniestas. And yes, they try, they want to develop the way they're playing, but then they're not because and and I look their, their team's aging as well. Busquets is old. Pique is getting old now. Um, they, Would you take Busquets at United? Because he's apparently he's definitely leaving. Right now, no, I don't think I would. Because uh, just because I know what United is trying to do at the moment, we're trying to go young, we're trying to build and develop. Okay. Um, maybe it would be useful to have a few older heads there, just to you know guide the players. But I, yeah, he's with, with, a, with a bus with a Busquets, I don't know how what his English is like. Um, I, I don't know whether he would integrate well into. Uh, into Manchester, uh, so I think we we try and go for you know English proven, Declan. not necessarily English, but like Declan, proven bro. players in the yeah, proven players, proven yeah. players. But you know it's a really interesting situation at Barcelona, and I think that if Ronald Koeman gets the right tactics and philosophy, they're still great players in that club. You need to you need to get rid of a few, yes, but yeah. there are still some really great players in that club. And they can. I mean, they only they only lost the 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 title. The sorry, their championship by you know a few points, and it's only because they slipped up after yeah, they lockdown. fell off. Yeah, they fell off after lockdown. Yeah, fell off big time. But I think yeah. I think, but the problem is they like you said, they've spent so much on so many players, and um, there is a problem there of can like someone like Coutinho now. Do they let him go? Does he really fit the style with Messi? Like, what do you do? I, th- I think that's the problem. There's so many of them. Like, what do you do? Look, you have to you have to think about time after Messi, and mm. if you're getting rid of a Coutinho, a Griezmann, a Dembele, then you're you're putting a lot of potentially, you know, leading players in a in a in a club. You're you're get you're you're risking getting rid of them. And Messi only has two three years left. Yeah. So. I don't see it, bro. I just don't see it. I don't. I don't, I, I don't see it. Get get rid of all of them, nah. Nah. Yeah, I think I think I think they'll get rid of one of them though. Maybe Dembele because I think he's been. The, they've said he's the problem child there. Um, likes the lifestyle a bit too much. Likes to pull up. Likes to turn up. Likes to do all of that kind of stuff. So I think, and he's injury prone as well. So I think um, there's a bit of frustration there in in them. Past I, I can see. I can see United going for him if we don't get Sancho. I'll tell you that. I don't think. So. I think like Sancho that. is not coming unless you guys pay the money they want. You guys need to be reasonable. Leverage. You've lost all leverage. They need to be reasonable, man. They need to be reasonable. Give us, let us pay you ninety now, and then we'll pay you, you mm. know, the rest of it. Mm. You want the one twenty now? <laughs> <laughs> want it now? <laughs> want it now, man. Well, yeah, but look, I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for the La Liga because really, when you think about it, Real Madrid aren't as strong as they used to be. Yeah. Barcelona aren't as strong as they used to be. 
Atletico seemed to just naturally be that third team. Mm. Um, Sevilla, it looks like they're, all they're interested in is the Europa League. So, yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be a really interesting season. Next year. as well. Next year is going to be interesting. Um, Mr. Yeah. Good Evening, Unite Emery, <laughs> has gone over there. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do if they have a good season. Because um, yeah. Valencia have fallen off. They've had to sell all their, their players. Um, mm. Because financially they're struggling, so yeah, Villarreal is another one. Who knows? They could be in the mix for top four next year. So watch out for them, man. Okay, I like that. I like that. So what are we on to next, then, bro? Let's talk about rugby. 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 So that's rugby. back. That's back. Um, yeah, there's you know like there's been a not, I won't say controversy, but there's been a lot of um, of course some players have been kneeling. Um, in support of the Black Lives Matter. Some players have been standing because, again, they don't support it and they don't want to. Um, so, for me, I'm interested to, I guess, discuss as well what's going to happen when England comes together. Because, um, oh, of course, because wow. for me, I think it's important to try and have a sense of togetherness. And, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a sticky one. But at the same time, everyone's entitled to do what they want to do. Like, everyone's entitled to do what they want to do. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird one, man. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know. I don't know if, yeah, I don't know how I feel about some players deciding not to nail, not to support. Yeah. So, so from what from the stuff I've read, for example, Billy Vanapola, he talks about his religious beliefs and how mm. the Black Lives Matter movement. So, well, you know, someone involved in the Black Lives Matter movement or a group of people burned down a church or they burned the Bible um, or something like that. From that, he doesn't stand with that, um, <clears throat> which I find. I, I haven't heard of that. I haven't heard, I've, I've done a bit of research. I don't know where, which, which um, church he's talking about, but I'll, <laughs> you know what, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for now. Yeah. Uh, a part of me is just a little bit like, that's a bit odd. I, I don't understand why you do that. Um, and then I look at, I look at a lot of the players who are standing, they're the South African born players, right? Um, for example, for example, if you look at Cell Sharks, they have a really heavy number of South African players, mm. and a lot of them are standing and choosing not to, to kneel. Um, other than, I think Marlon Yard and maybe maybe a few others, but obviously Marlon Yard is, is the one I, I, I really remember with him being obviously black. Um, he kneels, but then I think quite a lot of them stand. And um, especially especially the South African players, obviously their history with racism and apartheid isn't isn't a good one. So I'm really interested to know why why. Obviously, I, I'm not I'm not gonna call someone a racist because they, they no, have it nailed. No. But I'm really interested to know why, especially when you look at the way football came together mm. and I, I I really thought that was ama- amazing and a sign of unity that these guys came together, they knelt. Um, not only did they say thank you to the NHS, they knelt and um, football collectively came together and they decided, look, this is, we're going to kneel, we're going to do this and we're going to do it together. I'm interested to know, the Premiership didn't do that. Premiership Rugby didn't give everyone the order, like, look, you know, everyone's going to Can you do that? I don't think you can do that. I think, because well, think, think about when they do the poppies now. So there's some footballers that don't wear poppies. So some of the Northern Irish players or the Irish, they don't like to wear poppies. So there's yeah, a, look. and I've forgotten his name. Escapes me now. Wing is a winger that played McLean or McLean or something like that. He never wears a poppy, and for him it's because of of what they did to his people, and he doesn't see it as a positive thing that war and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not asking them to to put a blanket statement. Mm. Um, that everyone has to do it. I, I think it's good that they've given them the choice and you let people show their respect in the way that they would like to share it. I mean, to be fair, the Cell Sharks, they wear a rugby against racism top, which obviously means stuff. Um, but listening, listening to... This is what I kind of... Listening to, you know, the, the noise around rugby, the fans, looking at their social media and seeing what's what, it's, it seems like their rugby... Like, I, I kind of expected this, to be fair. It's just not, they're just right. not There's no surprise there. embracing it. No, and I remember when we talked about Swing Low, we, we said that, I said that the rugby audience is one of the people that they're stubborn and they feel as if, you know, you can't tell them that they're wrong, you know, that they, they know that they'll do what they want to do. Mm. And seeing some 
some of the comments online. So rugby, I don't think rugby in general is putting themselves in a very good light. Um, and yeah. whether they care, whether they care is, is, is a different story. And whether this really has an effect is a different story. But um, you, you made a really good point, which I haven't thought about. What are we going to see when England takes their first international goal against so, the Barbarians? So, so, so what I would say, I think the sad thing about it is um, people are going away from the reason why people want to do it, why they want to kneel. I think they're looking at it as Black Lives Matter, this social group or this group of, that, that are trying to fight against everything. When the reality is where people are talking about racial injustice that's taking place across the world um, and racism as a whole, like institutional racism as a whole. So for me, when people are going down that route and not saying, let's stand together and, and really show that we recognize that things need to change, we need things to be better. And um, every week we're going to highlight and we're going to bring attention to it. It's a bit sad. And um, if yeah. if they felt, unless they feel that there's no problems, which is fair enough, that there's there's nothing for that needs to be fought. But no. when there's from for me and you, um, or you and I, we recognise that things do need to change, especially here in the UK. Um, and people of power and influence, if they're not trying to make change or trying to bring things to attention, bro, nine times out of ten, nothing's going to happen. Like you think about what Rashford did and. Initially, the government were adamant that, yo, these kids, let, F these kids, let them be hungry. Like, it, the government was really prepared to say that, yeah, the scheme has ended. And Rashford just put the pressure on, pressure on, pressure on. And all of a sudden, that changed. If me and you did that now, Jeremy, these kids, are, this, this scheme will still, still be hungry. ending. Yeah, still hungry. And, hungry. and I think that's the important thing. I think is those that are in power, those that are influence, what are you doing to bring attention to it? Because... There needs to be that constant reminder. It can't be one of those things where it's hot for a week, hot for a month, and then, okay, everything goes back to normal. Like, the aim should be we need to change things. And um, that's why I was kind of hoping that everyone would come together because they were thinking, let's consistent, consistently bring attention to the fact that we need change. Yeah. And, and we, saw, we, saw, we saw why we're doing this, right? Uh, mm. for, Jacob, for people like Jacob Blake, that... Again, we oh, saw it, oh, yeah. and, I, and I don't know if I don't know if people think because it happens in America that it's it doesn't it doesn't happen here or we don't have to give it the same level of attention. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, come on, guys! It, it's it, especially in the sport of rugby, which is such an elitist sport. Where, um, the fact that you you know ninety percent of the players who play for England come from a, a privileged a privileged background in terms of going to a a paid for school, um, sorry, a public school, so. There's, there's ways that we need to open up the game so that it's more inclusive. Um, and I think a black rugby player growing up in an academy, seeing the lack of empathy that people have shown to the movement, I, I reckon that's something that would potentially turn them off. Turn them off. But I know, I know, I know that they, 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 you know, Ugo Monye has done a fantastic job telling his yeah. story. And I remember on the first week, you know, he, his story was, was front and centre and um, I've got big respect for Uncle Ugo. Um, but hey, hopefully hopefully on the international game, that what things happen. What do you improve. think? If, as, as you are Eddie Jones now, do you force the players? The RFU, do you force the players? What do you think? What's the move? So if I, if I look at the England squad now, I think all of the players that, have, that would start for an England team have been kneeling so i think you i think eddie and i I think whatever you do on the international stage whatever you do you have to do it together you have to do the exact same thing whether it's kneeling whether it's wearing a shirt whether it's um you know you need that unity in the team you can't have this person the only person i'm bloody worried about is that bloody courtney laws bro you know know what the hell that guy's on bro Um, yeah he thinks there's no problems he thinks there's no, there's no, there's no, what, what's racism, bro? What's racism? That, I don't, I don't that, know that, bro. That ended but, hey. Yeah, and I think, bro. yeah, I think, I think you're right there. I think what will probably happen, because I don't think you can force players to nail. I think, I think that's going to, I think, not going too far, but I think that creates bigger problems. I think what will likely happen is um, maybe they'll have something to signify or to highlight, to highlight it. So players that want to nail won't be allowed to nail. 
and maybe it'll just be like a t-shirt that says we stand against racism which is a blanket statement yeah we all do stand against racism but um i think that's the approach i think it's going to be tough to have some players kneeling and others not um and i think unless some players decide yeah coach yeah that's fine we're not kneeling and then in the end they do kneel which again creates even a bigger problem yeah no, no. No one's disobeying what Eddie Jones says in that squad. I'll tell you that right now. If this yeah. guy says everyone's standing, they're standing. If they're kneeling, they're kneeling. You don't you don't want to be that because I tell you right now, you're out. If you do that in that England squad, if you do something like that, you're out. You're out. Yeah, well, we see this problem. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, but you know what? One thing that we've been that we've been hearing a lot this week or the last couple of days is about being better. And I don't know if you saw that Nike ad. Yeah, that Kendrick Lamar was narrating, you know, just be better. Kobe taught us to be better, yeah. you know, a better walker, a better talker, a better eater, a better yeah. father, a better father, a better father, a better father. I thought that was incredible. And, bro, you know, really, just to finish the pod, what's your, what's your greatest Kobe moment? You know, what, what does Kobe uh, mean to you? So, for me, bro, I was... Not, not to talk too much about, I guess, his death and all that, but um, I was heartbroken when I found out the news. And I found out from the group, our group chat. I was in the mm. cinema. I was watching this film based around um, racial injustice in America um, with um, Jamie Foxx. Forget, I forget the name of it. Jamie Foxx and uh, Michael B. Jordan. Mm. And, um, yeah, I was watching it, and then the group chat's popping off, and I'm thinking, what's going on? Look, <laughs> I, I just see, I obviously see the news about a crash and all that, and... For me, instantly, I couldn't watch the rest of the film because for me, Kobe Brown was always that person where whenever I had self-doubt, whenever I wasn't feeling confident, whenever um, maybe I wasn't believing in myself, I would watch a video where he's talking about how important it is to have that confidence, how important it is to have the mentality, the mama mm-hmm. mentality, how important it is to, um, yeah, that if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't have that aura and cockiness and that belief, then everyone can smell it on you and you're the first to be killed. So um, for me, it was sad because he helped me, especially coming out of university. Like that was something I was really working on. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, man, just to see him to die and then obviously to, obviously to lose his life and then with his daughter as well, who I was so fascinated by her because you can see all the talent. I was so excited of seeing her in the women's NBA and seeing what she would become. And um, just seeing, I guess, the next step for Kobe, what, what was going to be the next move. And um, yeah, like I said, it was heartbreaking. But for me, on a positive note, my favourite moment of Kobe was probably um, his last game. I think, even though we can never truly know if the... Um, I think they played against Utah Jazz. I want to say it was Utah Jazz. Um, but we can never truly know if they just allowed him to play and if they were not defending properly and all that. But... Um, even though they're adamant that they defended well and defended properly. But <laughs> for me, just the fact that, that he went into Mamba mentality and he went into that zone where he just yeah. gets into tough shots and just shooting and just shooting and shooting. And um, in the end, he got his team to win. And then those free throws at the end and just everyone there from Kanye all the way to Snoop to all these big yeah. celebrities there to watch an icon. Um, and then he's just like, yeah, peace, Mamba out. And... Um, yeah, and for me, that was just amazing. And then to get both numbers put away. But for me, I think that final game, because I remember watching it and just like, yeah, I got caught! <laughs> just being so excited. And um, Kobe's probably the first player that, I'll say I know about Michael Jordan from Space Jam and all that, but Kobe was probably the first player that I actually paid attention to in the NBA, where, yeah, that, that was the guy. Like, that's the first jersey I ever got, the number eight. Like, that's the first everything. Right, so. right. He was, he was the guy, the first guy that I ever, I guess, paid attention to. No, I love that, bro. I love that. And as you said, for me, Kobe, when he passed away, it was like, I don't get, I don't really get too emotional about celebrity deaths yes, because, you know, these people haven't really had a, a massive impact on my life. Um, I remember I was particularly emotional about James Avery dying. You know, Uncle Phil from The Fresh Prince, yeah. uh, Mike, Michael Jackson. Mm. Um, but Kobe, for some reason, Kobe's one hit different. It hit differently, man. And I think, obviously, his daughter passing away as well. And we should probably obviously always remember the other people who were in that yeah. um, helicopter with him. True. But True. the, yeah, him going, him, him passing away because... 
he's just been a constant. He's just been a constant. And he's someone who pushed excellence. He wanted excellence. He wants, he wants you to be the best version of you. Um, and for me, my favourite, I don't know, Kobe moment or Kobe like legacy is him and Shaq. And not just them together, but the way this guy stood up to a seven-foot-plus giant who weighs like 300 pounds and he's willing to throw down with him. And he was like, look, I don't care. Yeah, and he's I an alpha male as well. And he's an exactly. alpha male. Yeah. Two alpha males, but this guy's half the size of that guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, you're <laughs> Anyone lazy. can get it. <laughs> Anyone can get it, bro. You're lazy, you're fat, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't put in the effort. Yeah, yeah. And he, he was just like, yo, I don't care. I want you, I need you to be you so I can win more rings. Mm. Um, and I think uh, whenever I hear Shaq talk about it as well, he he always he knows he, always, he loves that he he loves say, telling that because it was the truth and it, and it's some for me it summarizes Kobe um, and all his greatness his bravery his courage his you know mental fortitude to mental toughness that the mental, mental toughness bro. he he wanted to bring the best out of everyone a lot like Michael did um, you know they, they they had their tough ways yes it was harsh yes it was it was strong-handed, but it was it was Kobe's ways. It was the Mamba mentality, bro. Um, um, <laughs> go on, go on, go on. Another oh, quick one. Another quick yeah. one was when Jalen Rose. If you ever hear him talk about the eighty-one game against when Kobe <laughs> dropped eighty-one against the Raptors, yeah, that is like one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. Like this guy, they do everything. They put people on him. They put they double team him, triple team him. Um, Jalen tried to like foul, like do a dirty moves on him. He did nothing worked then. Kobe just dropped 81 on them, man. So, yeah. You know. I, I, I just, um, I guess just to round up. So, a funny moment for me was um, when <laughs> I think the Lakers won their first game in like 20 games and all of them are dancing. <laughs> and they just put the camera on Kobe and then Kobe just there, just standing there like, oh, you guys are fucking losers. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, for me, it was just funny because... You see all these kids, they're excited, they're gassed. They're just like, yo, we just won our first game in 15 games. Yeah. And he's just there like, yeah, yeah, you guys are crap. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it just kind of highlights just how he wanted greatness. He, um, and he expecting greatness from everyone that was around him. And, yeah, nice. yeah obviously we pray for his family and all those that were that also lost as well and their families. And, yeah, I guess we're grateful for knowing his story and, knowing him away from basketball as well, because I think there was very much that feeling of Kobe was this macho person that wasn't friendly, didn't have friends, people didn't like him. But when you hear him speak, um, so much charisma there, man. There's so much charisma and so much intelligence. And um, he just wanted greatness from everyone. Definitely, definitely. Well, look, guys, I think that's the perfect place to end it. Well, that's that's a good memory talking about Kobe and talking about, you know, number mentality and... Yo, guys, that's the Sports After Party podcast. Yep, yep, it's been, yep. A, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, follow us on the old Insta, on the Twitter, uh, and subscribe to us on Apple Music, Spotify, all of them. Um, and you know what, guys, we'll see you soon. You know, peace out. I'm a different type of rock star. I've got class and I've got Henny overflowing up my shop glass. And yeah, I know I'm not a keeper, but can you be my mama's seater by the time I'm done with this tequila? Because I'm a different type of rock star. I've got class, but don't ask about my past because I've got scars. And yeah, it's hard to understand. I'm